Three years ago, Johnson City hosted the first Tri-Pride Festival in the Tri-Cities area. For the organizers of this event, it was considered a bold move. Given that such a celebration in support of the LGBTQ community had never been held within the conservative confines of Southwest Virginia and East Tennessee. Organizers, however, were overwhelmed by an outpouring of support and participation during that first event. That response encouraged organizers as they began planning for similar events in subsequent years in other major communities of the Tri-Cities area, Kingsport and Bristol. The festivals, including the planning, the organizing, and other activities associated with them, have created unexpectedly rapid momentum toward broad-based support for the LGBTQ community of the region. But while LGBTQ leaders of the Tri-Cities celebrate greater inclusion and support, they point to ongoing challenges for many of the community, especially transgender individuals and LGBTQ people of color. June is Pride Month. And during this month, the WEHC examines the progress and challenges of the LGBTQ community in this region. For this report, we interviewed four individuals who have been heavily involved with TriPride and who have worked in other capacities to advance support for the LGBTQ community here. They include Jason Willis, the 2021 president of TriPride, Melody Taylor, vice president of TriPride, Jerome Morrison, a member of the Tri-Pride Board of Directors, and Ashlyn Bailey, another member of the board and a member of the Tri-Cities Transgender Organization, otherwise known as TCT. level of community support for Tri-Pride was a surprise to all of the board members who were interviewed for this report. They had worked in one capacity or another when the annual event was first launched in Johnson City in 2018. The surprise was in part a result of the more than 10,000 people who showed up for that festival, but it also stems from the types of people who were involved, parents, allies, business owners, family members, community leaders, and more. I know with the very first festival, I personally, as a volunteer, and I'm, I'm sure the board members couldn't have imagined the amount of people that would show up to that initial event. That was Melody Taylor. She is a native of Kingsport and has grown up observing the relationship between the LGBT community of the area and the communities of the Tri-Cities region. As a volunteer, I think we were all kind of expecting just a few hundred people. Um, and then on top of that, we ended up getting, I think, over 10,000, which in itself proves that this area is ready for this and that it has become more accepting. Um, and then beyond that, just the amount of support we get from local businesses, um, whether it's a large international company that just happens to be here or even the local small businesses, um, all we've had nothing but um, overwhelming support from them. So I find that in general, people here are becoming a little more um, accepting. I don't wanna discount the fact that we do have a bit um, more to go. We still receive you know, some negative comments and negative messages and some of the businesses that support us receive that as well, but overwhelmingly the positive comments outweigh the negative. Jason Willis is the president of Tri-Pride, and he is from Southwest Virginia and is a 2007 graduate of Emory & Henry College. We struck at the right time in the right place. Um, 
that has really helped us. I think as a, as a board member, I am always pleasantly surprised when a new business contacts us and they say, we want to be involved. You know, they may not be able to financially be involved, right? Because everybody's dealing with the fallout from 2020, but they're like, we still want to find ways to be supportive because we believe in the work that you all are doing. There's, there's still a, a ton of work to be done, but I think that we are as, as an organization and then also as individuals who make up that organization committed to doing that work. According to Willis, the most important contribution that Tribe Pride makes to the region's changing views on human sexuality is the conversation it promotes. I, I think the, the biggest thing that Tribe Pride has done to help the community is to come out. Like we, sh- we showed up and by doing that, it, it helped elevate a lot of individuals and then like smaller organizations to really connect around a, a, you know, an event that happens yearly, a community event. And we use that term community event because that's what it is. And that's what we've always tried to be. So by, by again, by coming out, <laughs> we helped facilitate conversations between people. Um, even if it's like, hey, did you go to TriPride or are you gonna go to TriPride? And then people are like, well, what's that? And then that kind of starts those conversations between individuals and conversations between individuals is really the only way that change has any hope of making a lasting impact. Ashlyn Bailey is a transgender feminine individual who was engaged with the Tri-Cities Transgender Organization, which predates the establishment of Tri-Pride. Tri-Pride, she says, has provided a great boost in support of the transgender community of this region. Without TriPride, I would still be doing this. That said, because of TriPride, because of the, the, the people that I've met and the connections I've made, and because of the visibility of TriPride and its reach, it has opened up a lot of doors. The, the board members are, are extremely diverse. Um, they're not all, you know, some of them are just allies. They're not members of the community. The planning committee with so many people coming and, and people getting passionate about this, it helps people reach out to TriPride all the time and, and, and they can send people to us. Uh, I just talked with the mother the other day whose child came out as trans and she is a, she's wonderful. She's wanting to support her uh, son and uh, be there for him and she reached out to us and is talking with the parents in our uh, Ally Cats group. And the son just joined our TCATS, which is our private um, trans only group where we can discuss things in a safe place. She would not have had a place to go had she not known about TriPride. Because of the rapid success of TriPride, it is perhaps easy to forget that the LGBTQ community of this region has been working against significant resistance. There's three or four layers of our social order around here, and not the least of which is the conservative Christian group. 
Jerome Morrison grew up in rural Alabama. A retiree, he worked for a major company in Atlanta before he came to Kingsport some 20 years ago. He says the church has long been a major obstacle to advancing LGBTQ acceptance, and it continues to be a great force of resistance in this region. They've been slow to change. Uh, I've recently run into it a couple of times where I was shocked, a doctor's office, a couple other spots where I thought that kind of professional level, um, open-faced prejudice shouldn't be there. It is. So it's very ingrained, and they're still with us, as is most usually the case. The younger folks are going to be the ones who are going to bust the ice and get get through to you know the next layer and the next layer. I I still am upset with the very powerful influence of the churches in the conservative side of the house and uh, their reaction to being, I think, challenged in their belief systems. I I am still worried that there's not enough. Uh, what's the word, response to that conservatism and the way it manages the city of Kingsport, the way it manages our, um, the, the support systems around here, such as they are, that kind of thing. Despite resistance from church groups and from rural residents and others, tri-pride organizers have numerous stories to tell about finding support in unexpected places. Bailey recounts one such experience while volunteering at a festival booth providing information in support of transgender individuals. I was expecting, um, as you always kind of do when you're out in public like that, somebody to come along um, and start something, you know, make a comment. And this young white guy walked by and he was... I mean, I grew up in rural Louisiana. I know rednecks. I used to be one. Um, But he checked all the redneck boxes. Uh, White wife beater, uh, backwards cap, tattoos. And when he walked by, he just kind of glanced at us, kind of sideways and walked by. And his facial expression kind of said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be back in a minute so I was waiting for it to happen about half an hour later he comes walking back with uh what turned out to be his wife and she checked all the redneck boxes too I mean they were a perfect redneck couple and they came up walked straight up and looked at me right in the eyes they walk up and their demeanor through my lens I immediately read that as there was an aggression coming towards me. And when he walked up, he looked me right in the eye and he said, I wanna thank you for being here because my daughter is trans and it gives me hope that she'll be okay. And we sat and had a good half hour uh, chat and you know they got us some information and they bought some stuff for their daughter and and all, and uh, ever since then, I have tried my best not to throw that expectation onto people. Because um, most of the time, my initial reaction like that has been changed. I've had grandparents show up and say, 
my grandchild just came out as trans. How do I support them? I don't, I don't have any knowledge of this. And for people to do that in this area um, with, like Jerome was saying, this huge Christian level that's there, it's, it fills me with a lot of hope. And the fact that that can happen in this area is proof that times are changing. Three years since the first Tri-Pride event, finding support for the region's LGBTQ community from within this region often feels much easier, according to Tri-Pride officials. Since we did our first event in 2018 and then 2019 in Kingsport, you know, we made a big splash and people kind of know and recognize the name. And so throughout the year, we often get messages on our social media um, they're like, hey, you know, my kid just came out or, hey, I think, you know, uh, this person that I care for is, you know, experiencing this. Do you have any resources or anybody that we can talk to and stuff like that? The fact that um, that we do have people coming to us and not just trying to like shame it away, keep it in the closet. Right. So that that tells me that a lot has changed. I mean, since I, since I was growing up, I'm 36 years old. And from mm. between then and, and now it's a huge difference. We have a lot of allies as well. So, it, you know, people that don't necessarily identify as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and that in itself, I think speaks for how kind of the shift in our area is changing because, you know, all of us can speak all day on behalf of our community, but we're not there a lot of times when, um, you know, it, it's simply a, a cis heterosexual circle of people. So just having, seeing the amount of allies that come and attend and support um, just gives me hope that, you know, when they are talking to maybe their friends and family that aren't quite there yet, that they're advocating on our behalf. But in spite of what appears to be growing support for the LGBTQ community in this region, local advocates continue to struggle against heavy resistance toward transgender individuals and toward LGBTQ people of color. I just find race topics in this area in general to be very sensitive, um, and they're a little hard to broach in, in, some, in some aspects. I think it's almost easier to broach um, LGBTQ plus topics with people um, in the community and kind of have more of a dialogue. And I find people tend to get really defensive when you bring race into it. But, um, you know, when we're looking at our community, that is a double minority that's facing oppression on both ends. Um, so I think those are the two biggest issues before us. Willis says a commitment to listening and constructive conversation is what Tri Pride pursues to bring hope to these members of the LGBTQ community. We rely kind of on our underlying mission statement, which is to build bridges between community segments, to make connections, to um, foster dialogue. Um, as an organization, we are pretty good at recognizing 
our own shortcomings that we attempt through various ways to to address. And then of course, where we do have a large like social media presence and we're responsive to the, the people on that, you know, no one's afraid to send a, a message on <laughs> social media. So <laughs> some of those we just kind of shrug off and we're like, we're not dealing with that. But the vast majority of them, we do kind of pay attention to. And, and then we, we talk amongst ourselves. It's like, hey, this was brought up. You know, what can we do to address this and, and go from there? So we try to listen and be proactive listeners and, and address those um, concerns as, as we can. For Morrison and Bailey, meeting these challenges means continued success with engaging vocal and active allies. First of all, it's our example. And when I say our, I mean all of us, our allies and our group and tripride are that get uh, people misunderstand completely. They don't have a reference point. So there, therein lies the biggest power. You cannot instruct anybody any other way. And back in the 70s and 80s, when we were in such a mess in Atlanta and all of the, you know, everything that was going on, there was uh, without certain community standard bearers, certain persons, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. And therein lies what's happened progressively ever since. Yes, change, back two steps, more change, back two steps, reactionary politics, all of it as it moves along, it's clear to me that it's, that is the, the um, powerful social anchor that it will always be uh, and always has been. In this area, part, part of the, the issue we have is that because of the racial overtones and stuff, trans people of color are less likely to be out um, and to be visible. And that is something that we are hoping, um, I don't know what Tri-Pride's plans are on this, I'm speaking here as uh, TCT, but we would like to be able to reach out and to uh, get more visibility for uh, that community, but it is dangerous for them. Every year uh, in November, we do the Trans Day of Remembrance. And we go through and we give voice to the names for all the trans-related deaths through the year. And sadly, the number's been going up. And almost exclusively, it's trans people of color, generally trans women. They're the ones that are being murdered at alarming rates. Yes, uh, white trans women and trans men do get assaulted, but we don't see the depth of aggression that trans people of color do. My first Trans Day of Remembrance, the name that I was given to read out for memory, she was stabbed 99 times and left behind a dumpster. In Mississippi, a state where I grew up and spent a lot of my childhood, and that was just a couple of years ago, that is something that needs to be addressed. It needs to be put out there in front, and they need to be seen as a part of humanity, just like everyone. But in this area, any time you try to single out any kind of an issue and race gets added in, people shut down. People don't want to talk about it anymore. 
LGBTQ plus people in rural areas have always lacked access to pride community and having those start up and, and bringing the visibility and the sunlight to those areas is a wonderful thing. Both Johnson City and Kingsport have now hosted Tri-Pride events. Bristol was slated for the third event last year before it was canceled due to the pandemic. In hosting the first event, Johnson City demonstrated perhaps that it is the flagship for all of the Tri-Cities when it comes to social justice, according to the organizers. Morrison said Johnson City set the stage well for subsequent festivals. Johnson City's success with that first Uh, event, let the city leaders here know that it was more than just a a small group of of very loud people. It set the stage, and although the conditions set for us here were certainly more restrictive, and I'm not sure why I won't play that name game, but without that lead and out that success, Kingsport would not have been the first city to do so. I just don't think, believe that. And it's um, the, uh, even with our businesses leading the way, it's a conservative town. I am delighted that they started in Johnson City because it made a precedent far more palatable for the rest of, of, this, of them to follow, in my view. My kind of feelings about the three cities, Johnson City, it, it is kind of the... Um, historically and kind of more currently more of of a space for the queer community and I think it has been you know for a while you know looking looking back one of the um, few doctors who would treat AIDS patients early on was from Johnson City right Um, I think that with its proximity to Asheville and then Atlanta you know being just a few more hours down the road and just also having that, that, that youth and that vibrance with the college there, you know, keeping fresh ideas coming in so that way it doesn't become kind of old and static. That has definitely helped Johnson City. Kingsport, on the other hand, Kingsport is a conservative city. It is, no lie. However, there are business and industry leaders located in Kingsport that are participating on um, a national and global stage. And the, the narratives on a national and global level are no longer fully aligned with kind of the small town conservative narratives. They're just, they're not. And so um, those industry and business leaders have kind of been pushing and kind of leading through example and changes happening here in Kingsport. TriPride was invited to table at like three or four different festivals and events that happen in Kingsport. We didn't seek it out. We were specifically sought out to be like, hey, do you guys want to have a table here with us? Um, So that's really cool. And then as far as Bristol goes, you know, Bristol is like music is its lifeblood Um, and tourism, you know, with between uh, the racetrack and then just the general kind of artsy music flair of Bristol, that that life has always had I guess, a queer aspect to it. So in their own way, you know, they're, they've also became like a little safe space for 
you know the LGBTQ community. But each 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 city in the tri cities have their own unique flavor. Absolutely, I think they're all growing towards becoming more accepting of diversity, and some of them are are moving at different paces than others. But just because one city is moving faster today doesn't mean that that other city won't be moving faster tomorrow, and vice versa. Organizing Tri Pride Festivals requires the work and time of dozens of volunteers working throughout the year. Organizers find that they are not only supporting an annual event, they are working continually to advocate for the LGBT community. The events focus on fun as well as advocacy, and that fun is intended to reinforce the sense of pride that LGBTQ people should have for themselves for others in their community, and the community at large in which they live, one that grows in its affirmation of them. The Kingsport event almost killed me. That was the most, that may be the most hectic day I have ever experienced in my life, but it was also one of the most fulfilling and enjoyable days I've ever had. Um, I couldn't walk the next day. I hurt so bad. I couldn't walk but I wouldn't have traded it for the world. It was an amazing event. We have a lot of people who have came to the parade and festival and they're like, this is the first time I've ever been to a pride event and for whatever reason. They're like, this is my first one. And they're like, I had so much fun. And then people with kids, whether they're, you know, queer with family, you know, family with kids or adopted kids or their chosen family or by whatever that family dynamic is. They're like, me and my kids had fun, right? And, or me and my parents had fun. And then of course we have great organizations like the Free Moms Hug group that comes out and they always are like the, the superstars of the event because everybody loves to get um, free hugs. I, I wish that growing up, I would have been able to see something like that. Right. I think that that would have probably helped or at least gave me some coping mechanisms. Pride Month seeks to acknowledge the progress made by the LGBT community, but it is also intended to remind the public that the work continues. Morrison, the oldest organizer interviewed for this report, has observed that the progress of his community has come through steady commitment from people working together. I'm 122 years old, and I still <laughs> say the work's not the work's not done. And long after I'm gone, it still won't be done. But it's it's important for me never to give up and never to stop speaking up and never to stop trying. It is not always rewarding, but it certainly is. It helps and feeds itself, so stay in there. You have been listening to Together to Get There. You have also been listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.